Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Red and White Authority brought to you by Labatt Blue. I'm Daniela Bruce alongside Art Regner. And Art, no one describes Labatt Blue quite like you. So tell us about it. It's delicious, number one. Okay. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Official. And whether, as I like to say, to quote the great Muhammad Ali, sort of, whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, he would say, I'm the greatest of them all. But I say, what better way to cap off your hard day of work with an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue? But we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. I'm a little thirsty now. I would love a Labatt Blue right now. Labatt is a great, great, great beer. It is. It is. You know what else is great, at least right now, are Red Wings. They're riding a nice little streak, and they had a great Great outing out on the West Coast in California, San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim. Picked up six points. And it was a big six points because, you know, they've been struggling a little bit, you know, by their Mm -hmm. own admission. And I think it was very, very important because this schedule does not let up. I mean, their last game is, what, January 31st against Ottawa here in Detroit. Then they have nine days off because of the All-Star break, and each team gets, uh, like, five days before or after the All-Star break to kind of regroup. And... I was thinking if they don't turn it around quickly and they're staring the West Coast where traditionally they haven't done all that great, uh, gosh, they're going to be chasing so many teams and points, but they came through. But this is a big stretch of games. They're playing teams now that are all in the playoff chase. Yeah, I mean, it's Edmonton Thursday, which while you're listening to this, that would be tonight. It's Edmonton, and then you have... L.A. again, who's not going to be happy about the result that happened last Ooh, week. no, they embarrassed themselves. Right, and then you've got the Maple Leafs on the road, Florida on the road, Carolina on the road, and you come home to play Tampa, Dallas, Philly, Vegas, Ottawa, all before the All-Star break. And all at home, as you said, which is good. Well, yeah, that final week of the season, right, right, or the, right, the year, or right. the month. What am I trying to say? The month. The, 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 of the month, before <laughs> they take their, their nine-day break, but... Uh, yeah, these are crucial games. These are all very, very good teams. These are teams that, uh, you know, at times Detroit has been able to handle, and at other times they've been able to handle the Red Wings. So it's kind of a crapshoot. We don't know what we're going to see. However, what has really been important, I think, and Vili Husso is starting to skate. He's still not butterflying yet, so he can't play, but he's at least on skates. But it seems that maybe... Uh, the Red Wings have found an answer in net in Alex Lyon, the Lion King. The Lion King, our Lion King. He's our guest on the podcast today, and boy, was he a good one. Let's get right to it. Red Wings goaltender Alex Lyon, and let me tell you, I think all three of us have been excited to record this podcast. I might be speaking for Alex a little bit, but you said you were going to do some research, and that's where I want to start this because I want you to lead it off here. You did some research on your your hosts. I did. I did quite a bit of research. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm pretty anti-social media, but I always think it's funny because you can just go and see exactly everybody's lives. So I checked out Facebook. I tried to dive into your social media pages. Oh boy. Art. Uh, I watched about an hour's worth of YouTube clips about you (laughs) shredding the Detroit Lions from 10 years ago. And those were fantastic. They were fantastic. And I read that that's kind of like where you, uh, Made a little name for yourself, right? There, the, so. the, my Lions rants, and also, but, but being a Red Wing, when the Red Wings won their first cup, I, I've never worked for a living. Covering athletics for most of my adult life has just been a, a pleasure and a joy. You know, you get to meet people like you. Varied. You know, your your background is pretty interesting. I don't know how many 
guests we've ever had that went to school in a rowboat, but, uh, uh, but that sounds rather, uh, I think it sounds like you're like Abe Lincoln of modern day hockey or something here. I mean, yeah, well, you, de- you could definitely say that. I, it also sounds like I'm going to need to drop a few F-bombs if we want to get popularity. <laughs> yeah, well, right, right, right. Like. Or, 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 you know, you're a Vikings fan, sort of. So, and you know, that was the team that Detroit could never beat. When I was a little kid, they lost to Minnesota. 14 straight times because they play them twice a year. That's seven years of my life. They didn't beat the Vikings seven years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I like to uh, relish in the, uh, as every fan does the, the misery of being a fan, you know, that's I think half the fun, mm-hmm. but uh, it actually blows my mind that the Detroit lions have not won a playoff game since 95. Is that right? Well, the last time they won a championship was 1957. And was, I was literally weeks old, wow. weeks old. It was the year they went to the NFC Championship game, right? That was the last time they. Yeah, won I was in Washington for that game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like I'm. I. 1991. I, 1991. Okay. So I was. We both were not. I was even not born I'm, yet. I'm 92. Yeah. yeah. So it's like. That's <laughs> how does that make oh you feel, God. Art? <laughs> but it's just crazy. I, I was there in Washington watching that game on the field. Because like I, I like you know like everybody. Oh, Vikings! Oh, they're gonna blow it again this year. But for the Lions fans, this is like the first place I've been where you know I can't one up the misery of the fan base here. So it's like you'll I never g- be able to genuinely feel no, for the Lions. No. Fans. Oh God, no. You'll and, never. And the be support able to. is crazy. I mean, here too. Like, how many places can how, like the Red Wings? How many places can sustain? keeping that many people in the seats for that long through a very difficult stretch. Every organization goes through it. I'm not trying to, you know. Yeah. Well, I think Detroit in general, and I'm sure you're learning this, all sports, like they're pretty loyal. The fan base here in Detroit for every single sport, you see even Michigan football, who congratulations are national champions. Yeah. I didn't do much for it, but thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Um, Just the the fan bases in general are so passionate. And that's part of the fun of covering Detroit sports because the fans are so involved. They're usually smart. I say usually, usually smart. They get it. And it's just fun to be involved with because even the Red Wings going through the tough years that they just recently went through, the fans were there through all of it. This building was still pretty much rocking, except for the COVID season, obviously. All right, let's get to Alex here. You well, mentioned. No, what you about know, you? What did Alex I, you know skipped about over you? me? I was hoping she's, we weren't going she's back. To scare <laughs> no, no, come on, Daniela. What are you? <laughs> I was hoping we weren't going back. You did a, the whole thing on your radio. I was like, okay, yeah, we forgot you about know, it. And I'll tell you, I talked to Alex before, and I told him not to knock Michigan State. Okay, he Yale, can, he Michigan. Can. We it's just okay. can't I'll do take that. it. I'm the third well, we ranked school here. I got it. I'm the third academically ranked school here. No, right, and they're down all the time. So no, I. I did. I researched just for all the listeners. I did do a lot of research into Daniela as well. Very impressive, polished resume. Oh wow! I'll say that. I already gave her the business because she was in Connecticut for a little while. You know, I guess you know. As the, I got a little East Coast bias, so maybe you know, it was a little too rough and tumble for her, which I totally understand. <laughs> Had to come back, come the back to Detroit, Connecticut. So, yeah, <laughs> but it was still Connecticut. <laughs> it was an internship, you guys. First You're of all, me, rough it was and tumble. It was a, t- <laughs> it was a Greenwich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. It was a ten-week internship that I was in Bristol, Connecticut for ten weeks. It is actually pretty cool. So you got yeah. to be around the ESPN. I was at stuff, ESPN. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. That oh, is it was a awesome. That is quite the production. Let's put it that way. Sure. That is quite the production. Very well, cool. Well, we got a, you know, we got a couple tables here. We got a laptop going. <laughs> we're getting close. Yeah, we're, we're looking pretty good. <laughs> now, can we get to you? Sure, by by all means, I'm an open book. All right, let's do it. 
we're going to start with your childhood and growing up in Minnesota. So you lived on an island. Am I getting this correctly? So I'll say this right off the bat. I'm not sure where the rope. So this, I, I've told this story pretty much everywhere I've been on my journey. Yeah. Uh, the rowboat is not factual. It was just a regular crappy aluminum boat with like a little... Oh, a little tiny motor. Yeah, little, so there was there was gas and like <laughs> modern uh, travel involved. Not much better, I will say. But I spent the first seven years of my life on this island. My parents managed and ran what was called Sunset Lodge. It was Oak Island. They would take uh, a, my sister on a boat to like a one room schoolhouse, which was K through eighth grade. Everybody from like the surrounding areas. There was maybe like ten or eleven kids there varying from all these ages, one teacher who was specialized in teaching all these kids. Eventually, my parents just got to the point where they said, okay, we need to move back to the mainland, get into like a regular school system, have normal social habits, blah, 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 try to like normalize our children as best we can. And so we moved back to, which was uh, Badet, which was where I'm from, very small town. Um, and then that's where I went to high school, graduated. My sister and I both went there. So. So, you know, by that, I mean, I looked at Minnesota. I actually looked at a map of just the state, and I wasn't aware of this. And correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of grew up in the most northern part of where this island is, and it looks like you're surrounded by Canada. I mean, so are you really a Canadian just happened to be, like, well, American? Definitely. <laughs> I mean... So I think there are actually two school systems in the United States, but we share uh, much of our school function with the town that's called Rainy River, which is right across the border. And so, like, we play all our sports with Canadians. They do have their own school system, but, like, we share many of the same things. So, like, we – that was a completely unique experience, um, but it's it's a hockey hotbed. Like, 30 miles uh, west of us is War Road, which is – T.J. Oshie, mm -hmm. Brock Nelson, uh, the Christians. That's where the Christian uh, hockey wow. sticks were are made or were made. Roseau, Minnesota, which is obviously has the Broughtons and all kinds of fantastic hockey players. So uh, it's a lot like Michigan. I mean, just it's hockey is everything. So there were 50 students that you graduated, male students, right? And I read that 15 of them, or maybe it was more than that, were on the hockey team. So the majority of the male students that you graduated with were on the hockey team. And obviously, is that what led to you playing hockey? Like what kind of led to you taking on hockey? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, for us, it was like everybody starts out playing hockey. And yeah. then if you don't like it, you don't want to, then you just, then you phase out of it. But like everybody tries. I, I graduated with about 35 kids. Um, and we had oddly like way more males in our class than females so we had like 25 or 23 guys and you just do everything so like I played football I played baseball I would play golf do you have enough guys for a football team everybody played so we had <laughs> I was 23 I think my senior year we had 21 guys play so football. it was 11 you had yeah. you feel a full team was now it eight on eight now or it's eight? nine man now no, it is. Okay. because the numbers do continue to get smaller but um, that's just the way that I grew up. And, and so like, I find that it still affects my life a lot where it's like, everybody is involved. My mom would be on every trip with, with <sighs> the crock pot and like all this stuff. And like, everybody had to chip in for everything. And, wow. And so like, that's just the small town vibe that I think 
maybe you don't get in other places like the specialized hockey and things like that in bigger markets? Well, by that, the estimated population in 2022 was 955 people. Oh, wow. It is also the walleye capital of the world. But when we go to Toledo, we go to Toledo, the Toledo walleye, (laughs) they tell me about these massive walleye runs or something that they have. Great logo, by the way. You've seen my my walleye. It is nice. My walleye hoodie. Now, are you... A walleye fan, like a Toledo walleye fan. I mean, do you follow the ECHL? I don't know why you would, but would you? Uh, would you pick the walleye just because you're from the walleye capital of uh, of the world? I can't say that I'm necessarily a fan of any East Coast team. <laughs> and I don't necessarily follow it, but... Uh, if Connecticut had a team, you would be, though, right? Yeah, man, probably not. It's a rough area. <laughs> well, that's why. It's in my nature, you know? I don't like anything. Uh, but, uh, no, I have a deep appreciation... As you know, for the for the minor leagues, I really do, mm-hmm. and I'm not right. just saying that. No. Like I spent a lot of time there. It's something that so many, I think, people and fans around the NHL are unfamiliar with. But it's really a great brand of hockey. Uh, I spent a lot of time just like, you know, being around young guys, being around prospects. A couple times, I was the oldest guy on the team when I was 28, 29 years old. So um, I do have an appreciation, and obviously, I like following the goalies down there. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm really close with Lethemon, and, right. and so I like making It's a great environment, actually, to go to yeah. a game in Toledo. I've been there many times. Uh, I, I need to ask you, Lake, uh, lake of the Woods, is that just a lake or is that a city? And that lake is the sixth largest freshwater lake next to the Great Lakes. I mean, it's so it's, it, it, and it's the 36th largest lake in the world. Is it just a lake, or is it a town, and is really Lake of the Woods? I'm, I was fascinated. I did not realize it's that Minnesota. Confusing. It is yeah, confusing. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. so are you, what is Lake of the Woods? Just a lake? Is it a city? Is it a county? I mean, because it is seems it to be very prominent. It is. Yeah, is it? <laughs> it's all of the above. And, and are you an avid outdoorsman? Um, lake of the Woods is just a lake. It's in, so half of the lake is Canadian, half of the lake is American. Kind of like Lake St. Clair. It's kind of like the Great Lakes mm-hmm. in a way. Michigan's the exactly. only one that's yeah. in case in the whole United States. Yeah, exactly. So like you go out on a fishing boat, there are certain lines that you can't mm-hmm. cross. You can't fish in Canada. But Lake of the Woods County is where Bidette is. Bidette is the biggest town in Lake of the Woods County. Oh, right. Only uh, county in the lower 48 without a stoplight. So it is like a very rural place. Wow. Uh, I mean, we're two, three hours from the closest Walmart. I'm really embellishing this right now, but um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really small town, um, completely driven by tourism. My parents owned an ice fishing resort my entire life. So um, after we came back from the island, they would take people out on the ice in what are called bombardiers. I don't know if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. It's just like a big track vehicle, basically, Oh wow. where they take them out. Uh, leave them in a fish house for three or four days. They got a stove. They got a heater. They they go to the bathroom in a trash bag. Throw it outside. My dad comes around once a day, twice a day. Picks up all of the uh, the crap bags, I guess. <laughs> oh, uh, and so like that's that was my life. And like it was just uh, I hate to say this, but like it was a very blue collar life. And um, that's. Um, they did a great job. Obviously, they were just fine. How long does you the ice fishing, fishing season last? Can I get a question? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Whatever. Fa- keep going. I am fascinated by your life, though. I mean, this is <laughs> to become a NHL goaltender and live in basically, like I said, I, I would assume, I told Danielle this, I would assume that Abe Lincoln has to be your favorite U.S. president. Yeah. I mean, you guys have the same kind of. I don't know. Are you, are you, I'm are not you? a historian, but yeah, I mean, I guess, sure. <laughs> Political now he science, is. though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
It is. It is. It is bizarre. I mean, it is bizarre. I. I also like. I. I never anticipated for all. This is all just icy on the cake for me. Ultimately, at the end of the day, because when I was a junior, senior in high school, I was like, I'm gonna go play small Division three school, get a good uh, degree. Uh, my parents are very. Were very academically driven. You have to do a really good job, which proved out to be very beneficial for me. Obviously, but it's just like every step along the way is just like, okay, I'm gonna keep playing. I have the ability to stop the puck here, you know, go to the next level, same thing, same thing. And I would probably also why I explain I'm, why I'm 31 years old and, you know, just starting to gain traction in the NHL. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre for sure. 31 years young. 31 years young. 31 yeah. years young. I, you know, I just, yeah. it, I've enjoyed every, th- every it's a state year. of mind. Yeah, so, yeah it really doesn't, is. doesn't matter. Um, okay, first question. Does your family still live in Baudette? Both my my, my, my parents, actually, yeah, they do. My So my sister spent five years in Boston after she uh, graduated. Oh, she couldn't handle the East Coast Undergrad. Um, no, she couldn't, <laughs> unfortunately. I don't think she'll ever listen to this. So no, she couldn't. Uh, so she, but she moved back. Um, she is the athletic director at the school. Her and my dad cool. basically simultaneously run the arena. They both Zamboni. My, my sister helps manage the arena. Um, my mom... Kind of retired, but does still do some like uh, charity, like accounting for like we have a one screen movie theater, so she does the accounting for that stuff like that. But yeah, they still live there. They're just uh, yeah, still chugging along. That's was, incredible. It is. I mean, was there a moment when young Alex Lyon is on this tractor contraption or whatever with your dad <laughs> picking up crap bags, where you're thinking to yourself? I love my dad. I respect him. And hey, you know, more power to him, raise a family, two great kids, all that. Uh, you know, stress his education where you say, boy, Alex, there's got to be more to life than this. Well, well it, so, so, I mean, interestingly, my, my dad is a Yale graduate. His dad is a Yale graduate. Oh. And his dad. So you're a legacy? I'm like a fourth you're, generation yeah, Yale wow. legacy. Yeah. Really? So, so like we're growing up in this small town, but his parents a bunch still, of Yale grads. His parents still live... <laughs> On the beach in Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, so like okay. once a summer, we're going to the East Coast. Like his sister is married to like a very prominent uh, uh, lawyer. They do very well. They live in Newport in a, an extremely like nice house. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. Yeah, I'm not trying to, like, right, right, right. Promote them as like you know the most yeah, whatever, it, ritzy people it, ever. But uh, <laughs> so like we were both very exposed to. Oh my gosh you can go out and get a great degree. You can do these things. My sister, like I said, spent lived in Boston for five years. She got a uh, theology degree from Boston University. Um, so it's like they were always promoted. Be interesting, work as hard as you can, let the chips fall where they may. And I think that it's kind of proven to be a good philosophy for both of us. So I was going to ask you how Alex Lyon ended up at Yale. Was that always on your mind, knowing that you were, you know, kind of going to be the next generation legacy or did it just work out that way? No, I, that, so that was one thing that I think when I was, when I was kind of going through it, I had good enough grades where, uh, it's like, if you, if you are good enough at hockey and you have good enough grades, a lot of Ivy league schools will come because there's just not that many players like that. They can only select from a very small group of of people. And so I didn't want to go to Yale specifically because of that. I was very interested in Dartmouth, um, Cornell, but, uh, Ken, but, Ken Dryden went to Cornell. Well, Cornell is obviously their goalie, their goalie factory. Right, right. And, and great hockey school. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it's just like it was hard to turn down, you know. It, it was a great place. I had 
three of the best years of my life there, and they obviously kind of worked out in the end. You know, I uh, on a dare, I applied to Dartmouth and actually got in. <laughs> <laughs> I did not apply to any Ivy League schools. But you would have gotten into all of them. Uh, probably. I was yeah. too smart for Ivy League. I was like, yeah, you know, I should probably just give that to some other. Yeah, I, I was debating whether I was going to ask you this question, and I'm going to. I saw an interview with you where you were talking about relating to your teammates, and you used very big college-educated words. And I'm wondering, do you have to dumb it down sometimes to relate to these guys? Um, I don't, I mean, that's a very pointed question. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know like, how do much I want to reveal. Hey, listen, no. If when you I've, say, wow, that's a real enigma, will they like look at you I and will. go, um, who's enigma? <laughs> when I, I talk to some of your teammates about you, they use the word intellect. They know that you're, you're a little bit more intellectual. I, they well, get that. Well, I mean, as all, you know, I, like I said, I was the son of an English major, so that's number one. Like, right. it, going around house, like, I remember when I was 12, 13 years old, I started getting in the phase of throwing like into everything. You know how, like, oh, yeah. all young, like, 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 like I know like what that. you're talking about. Yeah. And I just remember my dad said, if you say that one more <laughs> time, like, you can get out of the house right now. And so, like, just... You can live in one of the... Fishing. Yeah, yeah. Go live in the, in the trailer down the street. Yeah. Um, that's actually, I shouldn't even say that because some of my best friends lived in trailers growing up. So I don't okay. want to slander offensive. anybody. Right. Um, mobile homes are beautiful. They're beautiful. All and homes I'm, are beautiful. That's definitely in my future for sure. I think. Uh, no, but, but, but in all honesty, in all honesty, like, goalies are seen as weird. And, like, I, I, ha- I think that I have enough self-awareness to understand that I can come off as way too uh, analytical, way too deep. That's mm-hmm. just who I am naturally as a person. I like mentally diving into the weeds on things. And so I've learned as I've gotten older, you, you, can, you just can't you can't be like that. And you also can't operate that way playing hockey because you need to be instinctual. You need to let your, you know, deepest part of your personality let let flow and, and not get too far in there. So um, I'm, I'm really conscientious of that all the time. All right. I am going to ask you some this season Red Wings related questions, I promise. And I want to get to some of that because this last six game stretch now, five game stretch has been really good for you. And the West Coast trip specifically out in California was excellent. And one thing stood out to me. I talked to you at one of the practices after you played in your 50th game, which was in LA. And I asked you, I'm sure you you wish you played in more games. And you kind of stopped me and said, no, like I'm actually like really happy with where everything's at. And I want you to kind of expand on that. Just having this opportunity obviously means the world to you, but just knowing the role that you play in the NHL is something that also seems super important yeah, to you. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think, I mean, it's just in this kind of like what we, what we talked about with, with Toledo, but uh, it's easy, I think, from the outside looking in to think that, oh my God, you're an American Hockey League player. What a disappointment. And it's just, it's not like that. I mean... There's so many fantastic players down there that, for whatever reason, their career has ended up in that place, who who are very capable of playing games in the NHL. If they would have found the right situation, would have had the right whatever X Y Z work for them, it, it could have worked. That and also, my time in Philly. I spent five years in Philly, and I felt like I was good enough to play in the NHL, and I just didn't know. But I felt like I was getting to the point, especially those last two, three years, where I'm like, I think if I had enough runway here, I could I could probably figure it out. I'm a guy that's just like, I need time. I need to figure it out. I'm not really the guy that's just going to go in and let it rip and be the best goalie right off. It's just not really who I am. So um, 
I had to come to terms and accept the fact that that was my fate. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought, to be honest with you, that I would ever get the opportunity to come back to this point. A lot of, a lot of my free agency has been centered around, okay, where can I get a little opportunity? Where am I going to be able to play games? Um, and so it's, it hasn't happened by accident. I've, I've worked really hard to get back to this point, but honestly, like for me, like when I say this is icing on the cake, it's true because I just had to accept. So, you know, last year I tried to get you on my fantasy team, <laughs> uh, drop one of my goalies and pick you up because all I kept hearing about was this journeyman goaltender who was a folk hero in Florida and nicknamed the Lion King because without you in that six-game winning streak, they're not in the playoffs. They don't make the Stanley Cup final. How does that, when you are reflective and look back on that now, is it validation? Did it give you confidence? Was that the moment that you needed to say, you know what, screw it. I definitely belong in the NHL. It definitely, I mean, confidence-wise, huge boost. Um, and I think ultimately more than anything is it's so incredibly difficult to try to work your way into the NHL when it's like, okay, I might get two or three games this year when a guy gets hurt, and then I'm going to go up, I'm going to play one game, and then I'm going to get sent back down. It's like you can only do so much. You can really only gain so much traction with your team, with the management, with the coaches. And so that was huge for me just in because it was the first time that I ever had the ability to prove myself. Even in Philly, like I think my my biggest game year was like 11 or 12, my second year there. But it was like two here, guy gets hurt, guy's sick, two here, three here. So it's like when when people call me a journeyman, it's something that I I don't I don't really love that because it's like I I never felt like I had the opportunity to fail. I've just there's never right. been a chance to even like fail. You needed a chance you to do something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so um, I feel extremely proud of the fact that. I've just battled to get to this point and and it's it's been it's honestly been a very difficult road and like to keep that energy and and that belief up. Well, the other thing about your career too is you've played behind some really good goaltenders like Brian Elliott in Philly and then you had Sergei Bobrovsky in Florida. So, we're talking some huge name goalies and I'm wondering did you learn from them in your career so were that yeah. So much, so much. I mean, Brian Elliott really showed gave me the basis or what it looks like to be an NHL goalie. Um, and then you pick up things along the way. Freddie and Auntie Ranta, both yeah. in Carolina, were awesome. I got to see how they operated. And that's really the advantage of moving around your organizations. Uh, nobody, Everybody wants to play 15 years, the same team, be the man all the time, of course. But you really do gain a lot of perspective. Okay, this is how they do it here. This is how they do it here. And then Bob last year really brought everything together for me because he has an Bob Bob's greatest strength is his ability to insulate himself and not care what anybody else says around him. And obviously the contract goes a long way with that. You have the ability to do that when you make that sort of money. He's got two Vesnas, he's got 700 games. So you can be that guy in the locker room where it's like, no, I'm the man. Like mm -hmm. I've seen this, I've done this, but he gave me that confidence where it's like, okay, in an ideal world, this is the way. You cannot allow anything to infiltrate your brain. You have to trust your instincts. You have to be yourself. And that's ultimately what is going to get the best results for you. And so that was a real confirmation for me. How do you process 
because it's odd. You, you, you have to have a short memory if you're a goaltender. You know, you have to forget it. I've talked to Chris Osgood many, many times. I mean, he never wanted to face like an Al McGinnis shot. Al McGinnis broke his hand at least three times. And he was telling me that he was looking at the clock one time to see how much time was left and thought that they were going to, you know, wrap it around the boards and uh, go for a face off and pull their goalie. And McGinnis decided to take a shot from center ice. And Ozzie said he looked up quickly and saw there was like three seconds left. And then he looked down and the puck was by him because, and that's how quick his shot was. My point being is, is that there's so much going on in your head as a goaltender. You have to be aware of everything and who's on the ice and what's going on, sudden change, turnover and all that. Yet, because you had limited opportunity and you need a short memory, how much pressure is on you each and every game that you play? Because, you know, not to be melodramatic here, but that could be it. You know, I could I could blow it all in one game. Uh, I think that's one thing that's really helped me a lot is like, oh, you get called up for two games in the NHL. And my job, the reason I continued to receive paychecks is that I could win games in those very tight opportunities. And so, like, I had to learn the way of, I mean, it's November. Okay, well, I got to stay ready in case XYZ gets COVID and then I'm going up. This team wants to make the playoffs. <laughs> Alex yeah. Lyon's going to have to have to even if it's like one game is terrible, I'm going to have to win one game. Okay, boom. You know, you're in January. Your team is rolling in the AHL. All of a sudden, you're on a road trip in Texas. You're flying to Colorado. You got to play against McKinnon and McCarr tomorrow. Be ready. Uh, we might fly you in. You might land at three o'clock. And so I feel very grateful. I hated it at the time, but I feel very grateful now because it's it just taught me how to prepare quickly and very intensely again like there's going to be times when I fail moving forward so I don't want to be you know say like I'm gonna I I found the recipe or anything like that you've arrived yeah yeah it sounds like you've just learned how to deal with that right yeah just just knowing that you're going to at some time and 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 kind of goes back to what you said about relating to your teammates is like one thing that I think a lot of young goalies have to learn when they come to professional hockey is like you have to simultaneously care but also not care about anything because your teammates will respond to you if you don't care. Oh, <laughs> let in three goals in the first period and two of them were dump-ins from the red line. Ah, I'll go out and I'm going to be the man for the rest of the game, you know? Or like L.A., it, it, it yeah. proved itself where it's like I, I didn't feel good in the first five minutes of the game. Like I was just kind of like, oh, man, we're at Staples Center. Like this is sweet. We're playing <laughs> against a really good team. All of a sudden, they get rolling. The, the arena gets rolling. The ability to switch into, I don't care. It doesn't matter. My, my life is still good. Um, I'm still happy. You know, I have my health. And it's like, it sounds hilarious, but like, those are the things that you have to think about where it's like, oh, I'm just going to try my hardest. Yeah. Just whatever happens, happens. But it's a hard skill to learn. That, yeah, I, it would be really hard to learn because I have certain things that I can't learn it for in my life and being the goaltender on an NHL team I can only imagine that there is pressure but being able to do that it's a it's a talent a true talent so you, you know you're not you didn't start off great in against the Kings and then so are you thinking to yourself okay hey I wasn't that great but I have a great family. I'm a healthy guy. I mean, is that going through your mind? <laughs> you're listing at, all the positives. At, at, at that point, like every positive for. in your life, or how how do you get back? How do you wash it away and become what you were a stalwart in net that game? Uh, uh, the best way 
that I've learned is being in the present moment will always garner the best results in anything in life. And I've only learned that through goalie, where it's like, you can't be thinking about anything. You just have to be like right now, you know, I, I'm talking to you, I'm thinking my brain's processing, but it's like, I'm very good at switching into like, oh, I'm just listening to what's happening. Like you can hear the buzz of like the electronic things. And those are what brings you back to the moment where it's like, I'm just looking around, I'm just looking, just listening, maybe like smell something, you know, but like bringing yourself back to that present is, is how I try to ground myself. It doesn't always work. Again, it's just like, it's a continual learning, trying to get better at it. And so. Okay. Well, how about when you make a killer save? Like you made some really big saves. Same thing, okay. same principle, yeah. same exact principle. And that's even harder. And yeah. so like, that's what makes me very nervous. Um, I don't want to say nervous, that's the wrong word, but, but like that's, that's for example, like we come off a huge LA trip, uh, everybody's fired up three games. The mm -hmm. emotional letdown is going to be one of the hardest things to thwart. We're playing a very good team tomorrow. That's, that's one of the hardest things. And it's, and it works in the exact same way where it's like, you can't get too high and you can't get too low again. Oh, we won three games. Don't care. It's how it has to be. Unfortunately, yeah. you want to you want to enjoy it, right? But you have to be that emotional even, yeah. discipline. You beat LA, you're feeling good, but then you play Anaheim, who's kind of struggling, and yep. So and they score like within twenty seconds, twenty seconds of the game. In an odd way, is that the best thing to happen to you guys because it wakes you up right away? Like you're not that you're resting on the LA game, but you know you're all like dancing and all that kind of stuff off the ice. So my point being is is that Sometimes, all right, I let up a quick goal in L.A., I wasn't great, and boom, I'm back. Boy, I can't believe it. Like Tre Trevor Zegras, you know, finally came to life, and bam, okay. Is that, was that a positive in a strange sense for you because, and for the Red Wings in general, because it seemed to wake you up? Because I'm thinking, you know what, this is a trap game. This, this Anaheim game is a trap game because... You know, right. you, you look at them and, you know, and Kaner's all happy to see Verbeek and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things going on, I guess, at that point. But boom, it got real, real quick for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I felt like going into that game, I, I, I had I had felt that. And kind of like I'm talking to you about mm -hmm. Edmonton right now, but it's like I, I had kind of had the feeling going in, like, okay, we're going to have to be – we're going to have to be good. Because this they, they do have actually very dangerous players yeah, on that do. team – that you just have to be super careful with. Um, uh, so, like, I, I had kind of felt that. And so, like, even before the game, I was preparing for a very difficult game, like, just trying to tell myself, okay, this is going to be the toughest game of the road trip. And I think, like you said, what happens if we come out of that, out of that first period and it's 0-0, zero, zero, we played all right, but but we're not, like, oh, we need to be way better. And so, like you said, it, it, that's there's all kinds of layers to it. Right. But, but yeah, for sure. Okay, we've kept you Sorry. for way too long already. So I'm going to end this on a lighter note. Alex Lyon and his retirement one day. Yeah. You have mentioned a few things, like maybe a florist. What did you say, a flowerist, actually? Yeah, well, it's definitely florist. Tim <laughs> Lyon. It is florist. Tim, yeah. Tim Lyon would not be happy. Yeah, I was just going to say, that was not your Yale ed education showing when you said flowerist. Florist. You've mentioned a, a dental hygienist. Well, my my girlfriend is a dentist, so okay. I would love to assist her. A in, dentist? In, You've done well in life. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, we have great conversations. She's smart, and, and so where I did she about. go to school? Uh, she went to Tulane, and okay. she went to Penn Dental. 
Oh, right. wow, man. Those are two. Tulane's a great school, too. Yeah. Well, and in New Orleans. Well, it's no Ivy League, but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sure that... It, That's a want... fun conversation that you <laughs> yeah, have with her, I can't wait it? to see some of your conversations at dinner. You know, Tulane kind of sucks, honey. I don't care. So I, I just want to know what Alex Lyon's <laughs> ideal retirement looks I joke, like. I joke about it. Uh, yeah. I, I always, I think, like everybody, I have a desire to live a simple life. I would love to move to... Uh, farm in Argentina and be self-sufficient, but I think realistically that's probably not in, my, in the cards for me. She is in a practice in New York City where we spend our off seasons, um, so I'll probably be tied to that area. I would think broadcasting. Uh, Bris- there's a lot Bristol of... might be in my future. Ooh, there's a lot of those opportunities Westport. out there. <laughs> um, but uh, they could use some good analysts. But 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 you know it's like anything like the far the further you go the further you go the more you want to uh, stick around hockey and yeah so it would be hard not to monetarily uh, okay I, uh, like I know I know we need to end this and this is probably not going to make it so uh, <laughs> it might make the cut but I wanted to ask you um, I love elite prospects you know I, I always look at I'm, it I'm a hockey DB nut I like DB too and I like hockey reference I look at all of them. But this was elite prospects. This is the scouting report on you as a goalie. But I think it's good. Have you ever read this before he reads? I'm just curious. I think that, yes, I, I, okay. I have a pretty good feel of what it's going to say. Okay, right. it says, very technique-oriented goalie that combines quick reflexes with sound positional play. Superior core and lower body strength exhibited through quick cross-crease <laughs> pushes and, and smart lateral movement. Quick glove hand that doesn't get beat very often isn't very scrambly and accurately predicts where the puck is going to hit him and where it will be redirected if he doesn't hold on to it, analyzes odd man situations well, and is always a step ahead. I mean, that's pretty heady stuff. And Did you write that? It sounds good. <laughs> yeah. It does sound good. <laughs> what took you so long, Alex? You're 31. No, no. My, my, my question is, is that... Rebound control. I mean, they're saying that even if you can't cover the rebound, and we how many times have we seen a rebound go off and, and next thing we know it's in the net, but that you can anticipate that. Is that because you're so in tune with your body when the puck hits you, you know what, how it's going to bounce off you? I mean, where does that come from? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, I, 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 remember, uh, I remember skating with a guy who skated with Anton Kudobin when I was like 16 or 17. And he's like, you know what the biggest thing is? Everything that you shoot just hits him and it just falls right right there. And I remember being like, What like how does that even make sense? Right. Right. right? right. Like I'm sure you're looking yeah. at it the same way I was, where it's like if a guy shoots and it hits you right there, like how do you control that? But it's just it's like it's like being an NFL quarterback. The more things that you just see and the more information that goes in your brain, the better you're going to be over time. So like I I take I do a lot take a lot of pride in just like watching every single highlight I can because it's like, well, the more times I see a guy do this and then he does this, all of a sudden I know that it's, it's got to be like somewhere in this range. So it's just like you're trying to let your brain process things as quickly as you possibly can and you just get better at it over time. And because rebound control is probably the toughest thing a goalie has to do, right? It's I mean, so should... instinctual, incredibly instinctual. Um, and it's not like goalie – is zero thinking. All I'm trying to do in a, in a game-to-game basis is take out as much thinking as possible. So it's like my entire goal is, okay, if I focus on this and this and this and my body feels this way and this way and this way, it's going to produce this result. 
And then if I'm feeling bad and things are going in, then it's like, okay, well, now i got to focus on something slightly different. But you're just ultimately at the end of the day trying to make it as little thinking as possible. You've played 12 games already. <laughs> the most you've ever played is 15 in a season. You're going to hit that 15 mark next week. For sure. Well, maybe. You never no, know. No, yeah. You never know. Yeah, what was <laughs> that? You... <laughs> the hey, yeah. <laughs> I, I told Alon that you're probably going to play at least 30 games. What's tomorrow? We'll be 13. 13, yeah. And then, you know, you'll play one this weekend and then next week. So you'll be, you'll be at we 15. We are counting on tomorrow's. we got to get in the maybe goalie Maybe against the Panthers. The Lion King comes home and, oh he, you know, you're going to hit 15 games played. How, you know... We went through this with Villy last year when he hit like 35 games, and then it's like he's never played any more than 35 games a season. Oh, my God, how is he going to react? And is it you're going to play over 15 games this year for the Red Wings. I mean, I'm not a soothsayer. I'm just telling you the truth. So, <laughs> so, so is it going to be – is it a physical strain? Is it a mental strain? You're going you're gonna to reach a, a, high, a new height in your NHL career. How – I know you're looking forward to it, but – how does the mind and body process that? I mean, it's to be honest with you, for me, it's great. I love it because, like I said, you're trying to take the thinking out of it. And the more comfortability you have, you know, kind of like we, what we talked about, but it's like the less I'm worried about not playing the next game, the more I can just focus on the moment and be like and, and care less. So yeah. it's like I'm not worried about playing bad for whatever reason. Um, I'm just worried about – stopping the puck and so it's like i i've always found that I, and the other thing too is like i've been a the, the translation of being a starter in the american league to here is you just got to find the recipe and once you find the recipe and you can hit, dial it in over and over and over that's it repeatable processes all right I'll, i can go we've on, kept him for like triple the amount of time, time we told him supposed we were to do going a to. video at uh, 2 12 50. Oh my gosh, Alex! Why didn't you tell us that? Well, it's fine. It it's one sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap this thing up. <laughs> yeah, we. And uh, this is the last podcast. We really enjoyed yeah, doing we're, it. Yeah, we're, we're going to get. We're probably going to get fired. <laughs> we may not have jobs tomorrow, yeah, yeah. but thank so, you hey, for tuning thanks, in, thanks, Alex. And, <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. Thank you for tuning into the final edition of the Red and White Authority, brought to you by Labat Blue Light. Thank you, Alex. All right, thank you. Alex Lyon, everybody. An interesting cat. No pun intended. Ha, ha, ha. No, he's no Debrink cat, but he <laughs> definitely is a, a very interesting uh, young man. You know, he, he's balanced. He's very, very balanced. And, and I think that a lot of successful teams, a lot of successful coaches, a lot of successful athletes will tell you that regardless of where you're at in your career or if your team's winning or losing, you have to stay level. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. And I think he's mastered that over the years. And I think he's very comfortable with himself. And I think he's very comfortable being a Detroit Red Wing and where this team is at. And I think that's good for not only Alex Lyon, the Lion King, but it's also good for the Detroit Red Wings because they need stable goaltending. Yeah, and his experience and even the term journeyman, which he's he not, not a fan like. of. Yes, but he it, did it not kinda, like. I mean, he has traveled around a little bit, and just the way that he's been able to pull from each experience and learn something new that ultimately gets him to this point, and he mentioned he's 31, which really isn't old, but I understand what he means in NHL speak, right? That is on the older end of things, but just the way he was able to pull from every experience, every team he was a part of, every goaltender that he backed up was incredible to me. 
Yeah, it was definitely incredible. And I think that because he doesn't like journeymen, he was a journeyman because he was looking for a chance to play. And once he got the chance, he's proven himself. And his chance came last year with Florida, where he had a six-game winning streak, or they're not in the playoffs. They're not in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They're not in the Stanley Cup final, as we talked about with him. So I really think that that's why he doesn't like it, is I've just been waiting for an opportunity. And obviously, he can grab the brass ring here in Detroit because goaltending has been, unfortunately, through injury, has been a little bit of an issue this season. It has. And to see him kind of take the reins with this opportunity that he's been given, I think just says a lot about everything that we just talked about, the way that he has handled every situation that he's been in, his mentality in every situation that he's been in, knowing that it might only be one or two games. And he talks about how difficult that is. So to see him get the stretch of games that he's getting now is really encouraging. His performance is even more encouraging. Right, and we did learn a couple of things about him that on his Wikipedia page, because <laughs> it's so accurate that really he was not part of. He didn't go to school in a rowboat, and his sister did, but he did not attend, I believe, the one-room schoolhouse. Yeah, he... Uh he, it, okay, so it wasn't a rowboat, but come on. I wanted to say, well, that's it was a little putter basically boat. a rowboat. Yeah, you, know, you probably <laughs> had a paddle on board just in case. Like, that's where I was going. <laughs> and hopefully that. a life jacket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the Red and White Authority that is brought to you by Labatt Blue. Mm. Should I try it this time? Cold, frothy. I already I, forgot. Ice cold, ice frothy. Cold, frothy. The official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Who doesn't love frothiness? <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> All right. Can you? <laughs> yes. Enjoy yourselves a Labatt Blue, everybody. And of course, as always, drink responsibly. Thanks yes. for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week.